So welcome to the final episode or the final part of our uh, Higher Love series. And we have been talking about a love that Jesus died and rose again with. And, and with that, he gave us the keys of the kingdom to be agents of love. Not just love, but higher love. To show this world that is so broken, higher love. But we have to start with each other. Is that right? If we can't love each other, then the world, the Bible says it's not going to know that we are his disciples and that he loves them. See, this lower love or the selfish love that our world tells us is a, is a love that we give so we can get stuff back. We love people who are like us or that we like or that think like us or we love people with strings attached. And so the first week, we just identified higher love as the love that Jesus showed us, even though we didn't deserve it, that God gave it to us. And he says this in John 15, 12, he says, love one another as I have loved you. Not as the world has loved you, but this is a different kind of higher love. And so we've been studying what does that look like in different parts of our life. And so we applied it to marriage or pre-marriage relationships and discovered that love defers. Paul explains that higher love is always thinking about the other person first over our own needs. And then last week we talked about higher love across racial lines. And that, that favoritism in any manner is wrong. And that prejudice within our country and also within some of our cultural communities goes beyond some of the obvious things that are obviously taboo within our communities. That it can also be incorporated into the fabric of our society and into our individual cultures through favoritism. And so today we're going to be talking about politics. Does that make you nervous? So real quick, I want, to do a, uh, I want to do a quick survey. How many of you would say, you know what, I just, I just can't stand it. You, you might even use the word hate. I hate it when the subject of politics comes up around the d dinner table or, or at, a, at a dinner party or something like that. How many of you just get really nervous when that comes up? And then who are, who are those of you that bring it up? Who, who are that? Yeah. I know. Yeah. And then how about, how about this? How many of you have already made up your mind who you would vote for if the person that you want to vote for is actually the nominee or if you're voting for our current president? Is that anybody already know who you're voting for? Okay. Now, who thinks that churches, preachers in, in particular, should stay away from all things political? We shouldn't even be talking about this right now, right? But, that, but you came anyway. How many of you almost didn't come, but then you made yourself come, and you told yourself, I'm not coming to that. You shouldn't even be talking about that, but then now you're here. <laughs> I want to challenge each and every one of us, if you call this church home, I want to issue a challenge to you today that I think that you're up for. I, I, just to be honest, I don't think most Christians could pull this off, but I think you can. And so I, I want to offer you this challenge to see if you're up for it. And by the way, if you're not a Christian, this is the perfect Christian, or this is the perfect Sunday for you to be here, because we're going to look at something Jesus said that you're going to agree with even if you're not a Jesus follower. In fact, a lot of you have heard this before. You've even said it before, but you didn't know that it originated with Jesus. So this is going to be fascinating. We have a lot of common ground. 
But my challenge is for everybody who are Christians. I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you between now and November, in the election in, in November, to put your faith above your politics. In other words, put your faith filter up front and your political filter somewhere down the line. Because let's face it, if for no other reason, nobody goes to Washington when they die, right? I mean, that's reason enough. Because one day you're going to, listen, you're going to find out this is hard, but I think you can do it. And here's how I know. Because there is something in your life that could possibly make your political views irrelevant. See, I've never been at the bedside of anybody in the hospital that said, Micah, would you please just read to me portions of the Constitution? <laughs> so here's what I'm not saying, though, so you don't cut me off too early. I'm not saying that you shouldn't have an opinion. I'm not suggesting that we should or that we all agree. And I'm not even suggesting that, we all, that all Christians should vote for any particular candidate or all Christians should lean to one party. All I'm saying is that we should put our faith ahead of our politics. So for many of you, you're kind of like saying, I'm so glad you're talking about this because those other people on the other side, they really need this. <laughs> I mean, the reason I'm a Republican is I'm a Christian. The reason I'm a Democrat is my faith. I mean, my faith is the primary filter. It is the reason why I decided to leave that party and come to this party. Look, I got this down, and I'm glad you're talking about it because other people need to hear this. It's like, I got this. Something like, my faith and my politics, they are synonymous. There is no space between them. I mean, if you're a Republican, I mean, good grief. I mean, of course you've got your faith first, right? Because God is always right. And Jesus was always right. So, I mean, if Jesus and God are Republicans, I mean, they're because everything's right. I mean, do we even really need to talk about this? God is right. And if you're a Democrat, you're going like, are you kidding me? <laughs> Jesus was a health care dispensing machine. <laughs> I mean, everywhere he went, he dispensed health care for free. I mean, they lined up for hours and he didn't turn anybody away and he didn't charge anything. Jesus was always getting on the case of rich people. He even said rich people aren't going to heaven because they're going to poke themselves in the eye or something like that. I don't even remember. And then if you're a libertarian, so really? I mean, the most, the most famous birth, uh, verse in the Bible is John 3:16, but the second one is the one that every political candidate quotes at some point. And, that, and nobody gets it right but the libertarians. And you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free as in liberated right no there there it is it's it's right there in the bible not to mention first thessalonians 3 says works hard work hard with your own hands and mind your own business it's in the bible mind your own business you should mind your own business individually you should mind your own business nationally god is clear and clearly leading toward libertarians right have i offended you all have i left anyone out but the point is this, is that when it comes to putting your faith before your politics and your faith before your politics, it's not enough to say Bible first and politics second. That doesn't work. Because no matter where you stand politically, you can always find something in the Bible that supports your stand. And this is the surprise, is that it's not enough to say Jesus first and political party second. Because no matter where you stand, you can find something that Jesus said that supports where you stand. 
But if you read the Gospels, Jesus didn't come to join sides. He didn't come to take sides. He came to take over. And yet, for some reason, when it comes to political season, we're all trying to reel Jesus in to, to support our political views. And in order for us to get this right, it, it, it means that we have to approach this topic the way that Jesus approached everything. In other words, to get this right, we actually have to do something that Jesus did. And Jesus did one thing specifically and one thing consistently that models the way for us all. And all of us can do this. This is not complicated. You don't even have to write it down. It is so simple, but so convicting and so transformational. The way that you keep your faith in front of your politics and the way you keep your faith filter first is by putting people first. Higher love and politics second. So to kind of unpack that a little bit, we can say it this way. We can disagree, which we will and we should. We can disagree on what's best for people, but we cannot and we dare not disagree that what's best for people is higher love. See, we, we can disagree on what's best. Any bill, anything that's before Congress, anything that we're debating as a nation, we can debate on which side or which version is best for people. But we cannot debate whether or not what's best for people is Jesus' higher love from us. And that comes through us. See, we are his hands and his feet. We are the body of Christ on this earth. And Jesus said in John 13, verse 35, he said that they will know that we are his disciples if we love one another. So we've got to get this right. We cannot show God's higher love to the world until we can show it to each other. Now, when you read the Gospels, this is so clear. If there's a theme throughout the Gospel, it's that Jesus was for what was best for people. He put people first. And so we know that in John 3, 16, it says, For God so loved the world, people, that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever would believe in him would never perish, but have eternal life. This is the very Gospel that God, that God loved us so very much that he gave and then he asks us to do that through the higher love that he put in our heart. <laughs> so one day this group comes to Jesus and, he, and they say, Jesus, tell us, you're a teacher, you claim to be close to God. What is the most important thing to God? And, but specifically, what do you think, Jesus, is most important? There are so many important things, but what is the most important thing to God. And you remember how Jesus answered this, this question. He replies in Matthew 22, 37, Love the Lord God with all your heart, all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. But before they could breathe after that, as you remember, Jesus kept going. We've talked about this, is that if you asked every single candidate, Hey, do you love God? The answer is yes. I mean, who's going to say no? I mean, unless you're an ag agnostic or an atheist, but most people on the planet would say, yeah, do you love him with all your heart? Yeah, I think so. All your mind? I don't know what that means, but yes. <laughs> do you love him with all your soul? Uh, I think so. But, and, and so there's a lot of wiggle room under this question, do you love God? But Jesus, the next word out of his mouth in verse 39 is this. He says, and, I'm not finished yet. The most important thing is to love God with everything in you, and the second is like it. The second is equivalent. The second is on the same level. It is just as important 
as loving God. And you remember what he said. And even if you're not a church person and you're not a Christian, you've heard this. The second is like it, love your neighbor. Ah, man, why can't we just lo- stop with love God? Because I could love God on the inside, but, but, and, and then I could treat my neighbor the way they treat me. I can treat my neighbor's kids the way he treated my kids. And then it's tit for tat, and then Jesus is like, uh-uh, uh-uh. No, no, no. Let me tell you what's most important is that you love God with, on the inside, yes. But then you demonstrate it on the outside. How is that? Church attendance? No, there's wiggle room there too. You demonstrate your love for God, heart, soul, and mind by how you treat other people. Because what's most important to God is people and his, lo- and his higher love to people. And we may debate politically what's best for people, but we dare not as Christians debate whether or not God's higher love is the best thing for people. And then he continues, love your neighbor as yourself. And then this is an amazing statement. For us in this modern world, we can't understand how emotional this was, what what a reaction he would have gotten from his audience. He says all the law, 600 plus laws in the first century, that all the laws and not just the laws, but everything that the prophets said. Have you ever tried to read through all the prophets of the Old Testament? I mean, it goes on and on and it seems like they say the same thing. It says that all the things that hang on the pro- that that in the law and the prophet said hinge or are contingent contingent upon they hang on these two commandments. It's Jesus's way of saying this. If you forget everything else, if you never ever are able to open the Bible, if you don't remember anything else I say, Jesus would say the most important thing I could say is love God and then demonstrate your love for God, not by how you treat God. Too much wiggle room there. Demonstrate how much you love God by how you treat the people that God created. The way you treat the people that are made in the image of God is a reflection of your true love of God. What's most important is people. If you want to keep your politics and you also want to keep faith in front of politics, you put people ahead of politics. So to use Jesus' words, See, we can disagree on what's best politically, but we dare not forget that what's best for our neighbors and other people is God's higher love, love others. Now, that is profoundly simple, isn't it? And at the same time, so difficult. When you think about placing value of people above my own political thoughts. Now, we're gonna, we're gonna, I want to talk about this and then we'll come back. To, to what we're talking about because see th- I mean this could be challenging you might say yeah yeah he's, he's right he took all the fun out of it but he's probably right <laughs> but here's something that I want you to think about what does this look like in your life your behavior think about this your behavior makes perfect sense to you somebody would say why did you do that you know your behavior makes perfect sense to you your children's behavior makes no sense to you and your spouse's behavior makes no sense to you but your behavior make everybody's behavior makes perfect sense to him or her every single person that you've ever met every single person that you ever see on tv everybody's behavior makes sense to them second part your political views they make sense to you If I was to say, why would you vote for him? Or why would you vote for her? Why would you support them? Why would you march against that? Why would you send everybody that article on Facebook? Your political views make perfect sense to you. Everybody's political views make perfect sense to him or her. So here's the lesson, all right? When you don't know how somebody could do such a thing, 
When you don't know how somebody could believe such a thing, when you don't know how somebody could support such a person, when you don't know how somebody could support such a view, such a bill, when you don't know how in the world could they do such a thing, support such a thing, believe such a thing, it's, listen, it's because there's something that you don't know. I'm going to say that again. When you run into or hear about, talk to someone who holds a view and you're like, how in the world could somebody believe such a thing, support such a thing? The problem is there's something that you don't know. So one of the best things that you could do this political season that's coming up, one of the best things that you could do to help keep your faith in front of your politics, people in front of your politics, is when you find yourself in one of those contentious conversations or you overhear one of them and, you're, and, and you start getting an attitude and you start getting ready to interject yourself or you begin, begin to lose respect for somebody. It's like, man, I may have to change churches because that person over there, I can't believe that they would hold that view. Here's what I encourage you to do. Be a student, not a critic. Because if you're a student and not a critic, you will learn something. And if you don't think you need to learn something, you're arrogant. Or you're insecure. Or you're God. And if you're God, you can go on hospital visitation with me because we could use you. But sometimes we get so amped up over political things. And if you get so amped up to where you can't learn anything new, that is a you problem. That's not a political problem. This is a season to learn. And the way that you learn is to decide, I will be a student first and I will be a critic second. Now, for some of you, that's easy. For some of us, we just need to put that on every mirror, in every car, and in our bathrooms, and everywhere. Because we go there so quickly, because we get amped up over political things quickly. And here's the deal. If you're a Christian, we should be the most confident. Not arrogant, but the most confident. Listen, if you believe that your eternity is all worked out, be confident. If you believe that God knows your name, you should be confident that you're a son or a daughter of God, regardless of where you live or what you have. There is a confidence that comes with that. You should be the most confident. You should be the most curious as well. We should be, Christians should be the most curious people on the planet. We should be learners above all learners because we believe that our God is a God of infinite wisdom. When, when does infinite wisdom stop? It doesn't. It means between now and the time that you take your last breath, you would have just begun to grasp the wisdom of God. We should be intentionally and eternally curious. We should never be threatened by science. Anytime science rolls something out or discovers something new or changes its mind, Christians should be like, oh, that's how God did that. So that's how he designed me. So that's how he did, did it. We shouldn't be threatened by that, we should be the most curious. And then we should also be the most composed. Because we remember what we used to be. And we remember what God did in us. And we remember what we didn't know. And we should be the most, also the most compassionate people. The most compassionate people in the room. It doesn't mean that we don't have an opinion. It doesn't mean that we don't have a view. That we don't believe in our views passionately. All that is true. But in terms of our response and our demeanor to other people, we have an opportunity. But it, because if you're a Jesus father, follower, you also have a responsibility. This is what we've been called to do and who we've been called to be is to make a difference in the lives of others. So to make this really practical, I want to give you four questions. 
uh, that you could ask people. And you may not like all four of them, but when you find yourself in, in a situation that's tenuous around a dinner table or, or family or neighborhood, and suddenly politics comes up, and you feel your blood started to boil, and you, f- you find yourself wanting to be just dismissive and walk away and shake your, shake your head and just, what a bunch of idiots. <laughs> Here are four questions that may help you to show higher love. And you might actually learn something as well. The first one is, what led you to that view? And that's not a sarcastic question. Let's say it together. What led you to that view? So what led you to this position? And here's why this is important. Because when we get into debates and we get into conversations, we are basically getting the last sentence of a really long discussion over years that we don't know about. All we hear is, this is what I'm voting for, this is what I believe. We're getting the end of the caboose. But one of the best questions that you can ask is, tell me, what led you? What brought you to believe this? And then you've just invited somebody to tell you their part of the story. And here's what you're going to find out. That when you get context for somebody's view, for their opinion, for their persuasion, you begin to understand. And when you begin to understand, the temperature begins to go down in the room. Wow, that's fascinating. You know, uh, or wow, I, I didn't know that. What led you to hold this particular view? And here's the second one. Have you always held that view? Have you always supported that idea? Have you always? Were you ever on the other side of it? What made you come to this point? And then if you want to be a little bit snarky, this is a little bit of a snarky question for all you snarky people. And, and this is when it, it moves from policy to personality. And, and what we're talking about the issues and then suddenly it gets to be personal attacks. Right and, and listen, you're a Christian, and, and I hope you realize, you're going to hate this, but I hope you realize that in the New Testament, we are told not to gossip. Did you know that that applies to political conversations as well? Don't let any unwholesome word come out of your mouth except for the word that is good for edification that might build people up. Did you know that during political season, God doesn't say, not that, one is, that one's on hold until after the, the political, after the election. No. And so when, when conversations get way outside of policy and goes to personal attacks, here's a good question. Wow, have you met him? Have you met her? And of course they say no. And then you just say this. Oh. <laughs> so you know congressmen such and such. Oh, no, 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 I don't know them. Oh, okay. Let's get it back in between the guardrails here because it started to get personal attacks on other human beings that God loves. All right? And here's, so here's the fourth one. And it might be a little bit of a dig. You might think you don't like me anymore after this question, but that's okay. How about this? I get most of my information from the media. How about you? I get, oh, I get most of my information from the, from the media. Oh, you too? Well, that means mo- most of us are marginally informed and probably wrong. And the truth is that neither one of us probably have any idea what we're talking about. Now, that is not a dig on the media. All you have to do is travel to some other country where the, where the state controls the media, and you'll be very grateful for the media within the United States. But the, the truth is, is that most of us get most or all of our information from the same sources. And all we know is what we are told. And so for us to create unnecessarily, unnecessary friction in our relationships based upon limited marginal information is absolutely foolish. 
And so those are four questions that kind of bring the question down I like to ask. Because at the end of the day, what matters most is people. Higher love. But here's the thing. Should you have an opinion? Absolutely. Should you argue your point or argue your opinion? Yes. When it's appropriate, you should do that. Should you make a point at the expense of higher love in somebody else's life? Absolutely not. Never. That is selfish love. And if you're a Christian, I mean, even if you're not a Christian, this is important for you as well. But I'm a preacher, so you wouldn't have to do anything I say. But if you're part of this church, Jesus said, if you, are, if you follow me, you are a light to the world. And you are the salt of the earth. That we have been called to influence people in arenas that we think eternity is at stake. And if we cannot get along together, if we can't show higher love to each other over political lines, how are we going to help put families back together in our community and healing and restitution with God and sons and daughters with each other? How are we going to affect our community? Listen, we've been called to do something amazingly important. And the only way that we do that is through this higher love. And we've got to get it right in our church first. Listen, never ever sacrifice higher love, this other-centered love, unnecessarily. Don't sacrifice it with your children, with your spouse, with your church members, your friends. In your neighborhood, never sacrifice higher love unnecessarily. And you should never sacrifice it over a political issue. And then let me explain to you why. Because in the United States of America that I love, and I, and I love what I can get ready to say as well, is that your opinion doesn't actually count. Nobody counts opinions. It's better than that. Your vote counts. So why would you sacrifice higher love with a brother or a sister or somebody in the world when you get to go vote your view that actually makes a difference? Why would we sacrifice higher love unnecessarily, never ever sacrifice this other-centered love that God gave us? And especially over something that doesn't matter. Your vote matters. How many, how many political debates among friends change people's minds? How many have, have caused issues in relationships? And, and we have stories about this. How tragic to burn a bridge with somebody that you love over something that after the election, all the temperature will go down. And suddenly, that lady at work, that guy at church, that they have a need or a question, and they can't come to you. They can't invite you in because you have lost influence. You have not shown them higher Love, Because you had to make sure that you wedged your opinion into their life in a heated discussion. Please listen to me. Never sacrifice higher love unnecessarily. Because we've been called to love everybody. And to show our world this higher love. God's love. And jeopardizing a relationship. Never jeopardize a relationship over politics. This is why we can disagree about what's best politically for the people, but we can never disagree that what's best for people is God's higher love. So, here's the thing. Between now and Election Day in November, we have an extraordinary opportunity as Christians to showcase our political diversity in a way that honors God, who made us so diverse. 
We've got an opportunity to showcase our political diversity in a way that honors God who made us diverse. I mean, at work, in our meetups, in our church, in our community, wherever God chooses to put us. This is an opportunity. And when we get this right, we'll have more influence to where we can love people more. We can show more of God's higher love. But if we get this wrong here together in our church, guys, we're just like everybody else. We'll just be like the world at each other's throats. I want you and me to be intentional about putting our faith above our politics. And the way we do that is by putting people first. Because Republican, Democrat, left, right, libertarian, we're all precious in his sight. Because Jesus loved the little children of the world. 